Thanks for tuning in to Faith Online. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. Cool, we're out for this morning then. Uh, my title, if you like a title, my title is When God Shows Up. When God Shows Up. Who likes it when God shows up? Yeah. Hey, that's better. We like that. It's just, isn't it just better when God shows up? I hope you've all had experiences where that just had to be God. You know, something happened, something was said, an incident was there, and then you look around, that's not normal, that just had to be God. Give me a wave if you've experienced something like that. I've had several in my life, and I just know that when God shows up, minds are blown. I know when God shows up, laughter happens. I know when God shows up, it's just better. So we want God to show up more, don't we, church? And there's been a few incidents in my life, and I may well have shared some of them with you before, but when I was 15 years old, not that long ago, I was at a, a Christian camp, and they were preaching on healing, and, you know, I, was, I believed in Jesus and had faith in those things, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was 15 years old having a go, do you know? And this lad came to me, and I was, became friends with him just through the course of the camp. He was from Peterborough, and he was blind in one eye. He wasn't born blind in one eye. He was messing about in the kitchen with his brother when they were seven or eight years old. And his brother threw a fork at him, got him straight in the eye. And he was blinded in his eye. And here we are as two 15-year-old lads at this conference soaking up this atmosphere. Do you know when you go to a conference on day one, you're checking it out. On day two, you start to clap a little bit. On day three, you jump in and pray. By day four, you're right in there. Well, this was day five. That's how I want the church to arrive every Sunday, on, with a day five atmosphere, do you know? This was day five, and this lad said to me, we're hearing all this preaching, will you pray for me? And I went, Aah. but I believe God could do something about that. So I didn't really know what I was doing, but I believe God could do it. And so I just put my hand on his shoulder, because I'd seen other people do that. That's what you do, isn't it? You put your hand on the shoulder, leant forward in a little bit and closed my eyes. You have to do that, otherwise it doesn't work. And all I prayed was, in Jesus' name, I open. And I tell you the truth, it opened there and then. Now, yeah, come on. That's not me. That has to be God. God shows up. And when God shows up, who knows good things happen? It was a conference of about 3,000 people, those massive big top ones. Well, can you imagine how you would feel if you would experience that miracle for you? He runs into the main meeting, a couple of thousand people in there, straight up onto the stage, a little bit higher than this, grabs the mic off the person and says, I can see! And the whole place is like, Because ah. when God shows up, good stuff happens. And I believe Jesus wants to do more of that good stuff. So can I... Let's believe together that God's going to stir something on the inside of us to believe for a bit more of that kind of stuff. Because you'll be blessed and others will be blessed. And it's a good thing. There was a time more recently, just a couple of years ago, where Sarah and I were, you know, we sacrificed a lot to play the role that we play in, in Colchester in the church. And there was a period when we struggled financially a little bit and the bills were coming in and we were looking at what was going out and we're thinking, this is, we're not going to make it this month. And that's pretty tough. And, you know, I want to say, come on, God giving all this up for you come on so we prayed as a as a couple and just said god we believe you're our jehovah jireh you can provide will you do something well i'll tell you the truth the next day a brown envelope drops through the door and just on the front all it said was 
God told me to do this. And we opened it up and there was a £1,000 cash in it. You know, we'd not told anyone. You know, most of us keep our finances a bit private, don't we? That's our culture. Uh, and we hadn't told anyone. But I know, I know, I know God showed up. And who knows, we went to bed with more peace. Who knows, we laughed a little bit. Who knows, our faith went up a little bit. When God shows up, good stuff happens. Is there an amen in the house? What a buzz. I want to live in that buzz all of the time. And I want us all to do that. So I want to look at a couple of occasions, biblically, where God shows up. So let's start here, if we can have it on the screen. It's Luke 8, uh, verses 40 through 55. A little bit of a chunk, but let's read it together. Luke 8, Luke 8 uh, 40 to 55. Oh, it's nice, it's in red. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Turn to the person next to him and say they were expecting him. We're getting into this now, aren't we, church? (laughs) Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Lots of people were there. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Turn to the person next to you and say, your faith has healed you. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Uh, your daughter is dead, he, told, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the, child, uh, the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up, and then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. I love Jesus' practicality. Have a chocolate. Who knows, with all the crowds that were there, all of those peoples would have had issues. Everyone in this room, we've got stuff, haven't we? Give me a wave. If you haven't got anything going on in your life, you'd like to be better. There you go. We've all got stuff. And so there's all these crowds, so many that they're bustling Jesus. They've all got their stuff. But for how many people in this situation did Jesus actually show up for? Two. So Jesus was present for all of them, but showed up for two. Why? Uh, we were watching the rugby yesterday. I was force-fed rugby. And um, I did shed a tear and cry a little bit, but I gave up in the end. And, and Wales were epic, weren't they? Yeah. A little round of applause for your Welsh team. Yeah, they were really good. They were really good. On the flip side, England... And if you're not into rugby, England were winning yesterday 31-0. 31-0, people. 
The game ended 38-38. Who knows in the second half, the English team were present. They were on the pitch, but they didn't show up. If you're a Manchester United fan yesterday, playing against a team you should have beaten, they were present. They were on the pitch, but they didn't show up. Jesus is present. Who knows that God is omnipresent? He is everywhere all of the time. But how often does he show up? And can you see the difference? There is something in terms of what we need to do to pull on Jesus, not just to be present, but to show up. Are you hearing me? And the keys we just read, they were expectant. When you come to church every Sunday, are you expectant to have an encounter with Jesus who's actually shown up? When you wake up on a Monday morning, are you expecting Jesus to be present in your day? When you go to your meeting that you're in fear and trembling for because you're applying for a mortgage, you're, you're applying for a new job, you're in a meeting where you, you could be in trouble, are you going there expectant that Jesus is going to show up in the situation so therefore it will be better? Can we start living lives where we're expecting something? Because it pulls on the heart of Jesus. They were expecting him. But even though they were all expecting him, in the crowd... One person got her miracle. Why? Because she reached out in, in faith. You guys should be brilliant at this. It's the name of your church for crying out loud. <laughs> they reached out in faith. She reached out in faith. Everyone's bustling Jesus. They're all there. He's present. He's on the scene. But one woman allows him to show up. Because she believed he could do it. And all the people were crying and wailing over the daughter. She's dead. What does he say? No, 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 she's asleep. Just believe. Have faith. There is something in the essence of us expecting God to show up, but believing he will show up and change something. Come, I want to live this life, a Christian life, with a buzz. I don't want to be telling my story from when I was a 15-year-old lad, had this amazing experience. I want to tell a story that happened yesterday. I want to tell a story that's going to happen next week, so when I come back next time, I've got a different story to tell because Jesus keeps showing up. And I know he wants to show up. You know, I'm believing for our teenagers, you know, a lot of them just gone out of the room, that they're going to live lives where Jesus just continually shows up. And they're not just trying to live a moral life and develop a faith in God, but they've just got experience after experience after experience that says, my God is just with me. I can sense it. I can tell you a story about it. I can show you it. There's a buzz. But it takes expectation and faith. Am I speaking to anyone today? In John 21, don't worry, you haven't got it, so don't put it on the screen. I can just picture the guys at the back. Oh, where was that one? Where was that one? Was that one? In John 21, there's a story that most of you will be familiar with where the guys have gone out fishing. And these guys are professional fishermen. It's not like me getting a boat, rowing out there and throwing a line in, hoping for the best. These guys are professionals. They have been out all night as professional fishermen and they've caught nothing. Zippo, diddly squat, not even a tiddler. Nothing. And they're packing up and they're coming in. And then Jesus is on the shore. And you know the story. He says, guys, put your net on the other side of the boat. Who knows that's just stupid? 
It's the same bit of water. It's like the fish can swim under the boat. They're all around us. I'm going to walk 10 yards and put my net in the same bit of water. That's just stupid. They could have said, I've been here all night. They could have said, what on earth are you talking about? That's just stupid. Or they could have believed Jesus. They could have expected something different to happen in the same situation because Jesus has showed up and they believed him. So they did exactly what he said. They picked up their nets, having been out all night, trundled 10 yards over the boat and dropped it in. And you know what happens, don't you? They couldn't pull the nets in because they were so full of fish. Same bit of water. But why did something different happen? Because they had faith to do something stupid because Jesus said so. If they had said no, would Jesus have been present? Yes. But would he have showed up? No. What causes Jesus not only to be present but to show up is our faith and our expectation that he would do something and it pulls him in. He just wants us to be stirred. I don't know what's going on in your world right now, but I know this. Jesus is the answer. And if you'll start praying prayers of faith, if you'll start declaring words of faith, if you'll start acting like it's going to happen, I believe you'll have a story to tell. Come on, turn to three people and say, come on, stir your faith up. Let me show you another situation where Jesus turns up in a different way. Here in John 2, verses 13 through 17. Uh, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them uh, out of the temple courts. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins uh, of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Um, no, that's, that's the next one. So here's the situation where Jesus isn't just present but is in no uncertain terms shown up. You see, he has zeal for his house. And he's looked around and he's like, this isn't healthy. This isn't what it's about. It's stealing the purpose of my house. And so he gets some cords and he drives them all out. He starts going berserk. I wonder if Jesus has ever shown up like that in your life. I think he has in my life a few times. No, this is not what it's about. Get out. This is my father's house. See, in Matthew 21, it says, my house will be a house of prayer. And see, his prayer is where we communicate with heaven. It's where heaven and earth touch each other. It's where we pull heaven down. There's a purpose for the house. It's that the world would experience what heaven looks like through God's people. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you're behaving in my house the same way you behave out there. You're not welcome here. Get out. Here's where it shifts. Do you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you are Jesus' house? And here's the thing. There are things going on in the house that aren't healthy. There are things going on in the house that aren't fit for purpose. And Jesus wants to show up, but he's a gentleman. Hear me now. Hear this. Jesus is not ever, ever angry or upset with you. He's not. Ever. He loves you. He loves you. And he loves you some more. But he is angry and upset with the things going on in your house that are robbing you of your purpose. Yeah. 
And he wants to drive them out. But he won't drive them out unless you have faith and expectation and say, yes, please, Jesus, that's for me. Because he's a gentleman. Here's the things I believe that are robbing you of your, your best life. Rejection. Addiction. Fear. Timidity. Lack. Loneliness. Laziness. Doubt. I could go on and on and on. But the reality is they're in the house. The question is, are they in your house? And if you would allow Jesus to show up, he would drive the out. He's not angry with you. He's angry with what's robbing you. And he wants to take the whips and say, get out of my house. You are robbing purpose. You are robbing peace. This is a house of prayer. This is where heaven and earth connect. It's this vessel that I'm going to reach humanity, and you're not going to rob it anymore. If we will allow him, Jesus wants to show up and clear it all up for us. He's not angry with you. He's angry with what's robbing you. Can you picture it? Can you see it? You've only got to turn on the news. You've only got to put your ear to the ground. And there's mental health issues everywhere. There's people struggling with all kinds of sickness and disease. There's, there's struggle with poverty. Every, it's, it's all over the planet. And Jesus is waiting there saying, just let me come and clear this stuff up. It's not for you because you're my house. And We just need to expect him to show up and have faith that he can and will do that for you. Do you know what happens then? You become a living, walking, talking testimony. That I was once in this position. I was struggling in life. But when I said, yes, Jesus, that's for me, he came in and did something. He was never upset with me. He was upset with what was robbing me. And when he drives it out, and now I'm free. And I believe freed people free people. And so therefore, as you get free of your stuff, your faith shoots up, and you can step into someone else's life. Much like I laid my hands on that guy and healed him. It wasn't me, it was God. But maybe it's you with a testimony of healing in your own life can step into someone else's life and lay hands on them and set them free. And suddenly there's this lovely cycle of heaven touching earth because we said, yes, please, Jesus. There must be a bigger amen in the house than that. Jesus is zealous for the house. He's zealous for you. The question is, will you say, yes, please, Jesus, come and show your zealousness for me. I want to be whole. I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to press in. I want to be available to your purpose. And so therefore, I need to be clean. Yeah. One of the things I believe that robs us of Jesus showing up in our life is over-familiarity. Let's look here in, in Mark 6, verses 2 through 6. Um, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Even Jesus, the actual Jesus, God made man walking the planet. Even he was stifled when there was over-familiarity. You're just, you're just the carpenter's kid. Who do you think you are? 
on the one hand, they're looking at his teaching and listening to him going, wow, that's just revelation from the throne right there. On the one hand, they're looking at his miracles and can't deny that lives are being changed and great stuff, amazing things are happening. But having said that, they want to go, hmm, who are you though? Who do you think you are? I know your brothers, I know your sisters. You're just, you're just Jesus. Even Jesus couldn't flow properly in his own home. He had to move away. So it begs the question, do we ever do that? Are we ever over-familiar? Oh, it's just Mike Taylor. God's raised this man up in this location to make a difference, but that's Mike, and it? It's just Mike. Oh, I'll go to Faith Church, but oh, do you know what? A bit tired this week. Don't think I'm going to bother. Because it's just, you know, I'll miss a week. It's not a problem. It's over-familiarity. I'm telling you now, people will come into this place and go, wow, I didn't know a place like this existed. God's touched my heart. Something different. I don't get it all yet, but something's happening. Because they're coming and experiencing something for the first time. But because we get it every single week, it's just our norm. And if we're not careful, we become over-familiar with what is an amazing norm. Shouldn't every week be a week where we come in and we give Jesus our best praise? We get on our knees in worship and say, Thank you, Jesus, that you're showing up in my life. Shouldn't we every week be expecting that if it's not you, but someone else is going to get their lives touched because we gathered together? Let's never get over-familiar with meeting together. Let's never get over-familiar with the people that God's blessed us with. Pastor Kobe's in the house. Give it a little stand up and a little wave, Pastor Kobe. Love this man. We are brothers. We are in this together. Let's cheer this man and his church on. Let's cheer Mike on. You cheer me on. Let's do this. Never get over familiar with each other. It's like, wow, I've heard what Kobe's doing. It's amazing. Praise God. Because we're on the same team. And maybe Pastor Kobe can touch someone I'll never touch. And maybe I can touch someone he will never touch. But if we touch the people we're called to, good things happen. And we celebrate all of it. Let's not go, oh, it's just Pastor Kobe. Kobe. No, 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 he's God's man in the right place at the right time doing his thing. Celebrate him. Let's never get over familiar because they were over familiar with Jesus himself and he couldn't function. How does that affect our churches? If we get over familiar with our churches, we're never going to function. And then we're like, why aren't we seeing the miracles? Why aren't we seeing the salvations? Why aren't we having baptisms every single week? And I'm not saying it's the only reason, but it's one of the reasons that we've just become over-familiar with it all. It's what we do. Oh, we'll sing two songs and we'll say a prayer and someone will preach and we'll go home. Or, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to get ready for church and I'm going to get on my knees expecting Jesus to show up. I'm going to get there and when that first song goes off, I'm ready. And I tell you what, I'm actually going to get some air under my feet because I'm expecting something to happen. And I've got a need in my life and I know Jesus is the answer. So therefore, I'm going to get my praise on. You know, maybe I'm doing really great right now and I'm in the best season I've ever been and things are going well. But I'm going to get my praise on because maybe my praise will shift something for someone else because it's not always about me. Hello? Do you see what I'm saying? Let's get our expectation up and our over-familiarity pushed down. Because you have great gift in this house. Now, in terms of what happens here in the worship, that doesn't happen everywhere. These guys work. These guys have got an anointing on them. These guys shift atmospheres. Give them a round of applause. They deserve it. When we allow Jesus the honor he deserves and fully understand who he is and expect him to, be able to function as he should, 
things shift. I love this. I love this. Who knows there's power in the name of Jesus? You know, let's not get over familiar with that. You know, the songs when there's power in the name. If you're not careful, it just becomes power in the name of Jesus. No. There is power in the name of Jesus. When you allow Jesus to not be over familiarized and say, do you know who we're mentioning here? It shifts stuff. And we need to have reverence for that. John 18, look at this. I love this. This is when Jesus is getting arrested. John 18, verses 3 through 6. So Judas came to... Boo, Judas. Judas came to the garden, guarding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing that uh, what, all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said, watch this, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. You see, these aren't Jesus believing Christians. These are soldiers carrying torches and weapons come to arrest him. They're anti-Jesus right now. But when Jesus says who he really is, even they fall over. There is nothing that can stand in the way of the name of Jesus when he's fully honoured. When Jesus is allowed to function as Jesus, nothing stands against it. The soldiers can come, the war can come, anything can come. But when we say, but not against my Jesus, with expectation of faith, everything falls down. I am he, Jehovah. It's me. You see, when there's lack in your house, I just say Jehovah Jireh. I am he. I will be your provider. Do you get these kind of things? We need to not be over familiar with the name of Jesus, but start allowing him to function with who he really is. Your world will be rocked. The church will explode. The location will change. Atmospheres will change. Things will shift when we honor the name of Jesus. Do you know what? Not only is he all powerful, he's willing. He wants this stuff. I'm not standing up here trying to whip up a crowd, you know. This is what God wants. But somewhere in it, we have to get out of our comfort zones and say, come on, I'm pressing into something. I want God to show up in my life. I want to have my own story that said, that had to be God. I was blessed. She was blessed. He was blessed. They were all blessed because Jesus showed up. And there are things we can do to, do, to make that happen. Who believes this? Praise attracts his presence. You know, there's a, there's a few songs out at the moment that sing things like that. Uh, and it comes from this verse here in, in Psalm 22, verse 3. And I'm hoping they've got the... Have you got the New, new King James? Oh, yeah, look. I've got all, new King, uh, all old King James on you here. I'll tell you why in a minute. But thou art holy, good old Welsh. O thou that inhabitest... See, I told you it was Welsh. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel... All jokes aside, you're holy, the one that inhabits our praises. That's the verse a lot of these songs hang on. Now, NIV and, and other translations don't use the word inhabitist. They will use, uh, what's the word they use? There's not, enthroned, I think it's enthroned. Enthroned. And that's not wrong, it's a good translation, but can you see the difference between enthroned and, and inhabit in terms of how we think about it? You see, so well, you're enthroned, that's like we're, you're there already and we start enthroning you. Whereas actually it should be when we praise you, you come and inhabit the praise. Do you see the difference? Uh, and so that's the essence of what's saying. That's why I had to go a bit old school on you there. 
The word, uh, Hebrew word there is yovshev. In your best Hebrew, just get a bit of <coughs> phlegm, because you have to have a bit of phlegm for Hebrew. Turn to the person next to you and go, yovshev. Yovshev is that word in habit. God yovshevs your praise. So there's a whole idea where in a difficult moment, when you've had the bad health report, when a family member's ill, when you've lost the job, when things aren't going how you hoped, our natural default mode is to wallow. <laughs> Nothing ever goes right for me. Flipping rubbish. And we get down. The biblical response is we want Jesus to show up. Right in the midst of that. Right in the midst of the, sh- the struggle is exactly where we want Jesus. Not just to be present, but to show up. Amen? Do you get it? So the biblical response there is praise. It's not going well for me, but you know what? My Jesus, God, I need you right now. I praise you. I thank you for what you've already done for me. I thank you that your heart for me is good. I praise. I lift you up in the middle of my struggle. As I lift you up, you inhabit the praise. And when God shows up, good things happen. So when you're in that difficult moment, don't wallow. I'm not saying we're all people. I know we have difficult times. But the biblical response to struggle is praise. Are you you familiar with the song Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Church? It's out right now. If you're not, can I make a little note? Go and listen on YouTube to the song by Bethel Church called Raise a Hallelujah. Here's the story. The the man who writes this song, who's their worship leader, has got a four-year-old son. And he had a bad health report. They rushed him into hospital and he was going to die. It was literally as bad as it gets. And through tears and stuff, he was like, God. And he said, in that moment, the Holy Spirit challenged me and I wrote this song. And when the giant of death was coming at me, I was to raise a hallelujah. And he writes this, I'll tell you what, we sung it last week in our church. It went off. Because there's that whole idea of, yeah, we're all up against something some of the time. But when we raise a hallelujah, which ultimately means praise God, God shows up. And as on YouTube, you've got to watch it on YouTube, they pan round in this service. And he's cracking while he's saying, it's really emotional, he's pan round. And there's this four-year-old lad with his arms in the air. Oh, mate, there's a tear in the eye already. Why? Because God showed up and he didn't die. And in the midst of it, he could have wallowed, but he didn't. He raised a hallelujah. And God inhabits the praise. The best way out of your difficult situation is praise and prayer and not wallowing. Do you get it? We need to make this a lifestyle. We need to make this something our default mode and get away from what's become a natural default mode because it will change your world. Are you with me? I like it. I like to look like this. It's like we get this choice in life whether we're going to be an eagle or a chicken. Do you know? It's so funny because I, I, I preached this word at our church a little while ago and there's a guy in our church who's really gifted with metal crafts. And he said, if I could make you an animal out of metal, what would it be? And do you know in that, just that moment, what do you, how do you answer that without any notice? I went, mm, well, maybe an eagle. Anyway, maybe this eagle's unbelievably good. It's like he's folded all these little triangles over to make the wings. And they're all these little triangles. It's so intricate. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. So I, had, I was going to bring it, but it's proper sharp. I cut myself on it. And uh, I was going to bring it. And it's, 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 it's really good. What I didn't know is he asked one of the worship leaders in our church the same question, and he got caught off guard as well, and he said, oh, make me a chicken. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So I'm preaching this word, do you want to be an eagle or a chicken? Oh, I've got a chicken. He's sitting there going, oh, I've got, I got an eagle. He's saying, oh, I've got a chicken. 
And I didn't know. It's the best thing ever. But here's the thing. Chickens are always looking at the floor. Chickens are scrabbling around for the next bit of food. Chickens are fighting each other for that last one. They're all down there, aren't they? Oh, I've got a bit of food. That's mine. This, this, is, this is a chicken life. Always looking at the floor. Always aware of what's around them. Always fighting for something. That's a chicken life. Eagles are the only bird that can fly directly to the sun. Eagles are so powerfully strong that when the storm comes, they actually fly above the storm and look down on the storm from a vantage point of heaven. Do you want to be a chicken or do you want to be an eagle? There's biblical verses around eagles. Let's have a look at this last one here. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We are called to be eagles, people. So when the storm comes... We can either cluck around and be aware of all the circumstances around us, scrabbling around for a morsel, fighting everyone off and looking down. Or we can rise above it, fly straight at the sun, my Jesus, and say, I'm dwelling with you. And the storm goes beneath us. And when my Jesus shows up, he always defeats the storm. You're going to go through storms. It's going to happen. But are you going to go through a storm as a chicken or as an eagle? And the peace in your heart is determined by that choice. And so I guess my challenge to you or my question to you today is, do you want Jesus genuinely to show up in your every day? Or do you want him just to be present? And the difference is expectation of faith. That what I'm up against tomorrow, I'm believing you for God. I'm not going to worry like the world worries, but I'm going to be a man or a woman of faith. You are going to shift this, and I'm going to have a story to tell of your goodness. You know, you might be going through some stuff, and you might relate to some of the things I spoke about, what's going on in the house, struggling with some issues or whatever it might be. I'm sure there's lots of issues in a room this size. Do we say, Jesus, come and show up in my world? Because I know you love me, but I know you don't want me to be robbed of purpose. And when we expect him to show up, he comes in and he cleans the house. And it's a good thing. And you're left in a better place. And I just know the whole principle of the kingdom is that it's about you, but it's not about you. God wants to bless you, build you up, give you a story that speaks of his goodness. He wants you to win. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you'd have the fullest life. That's always his heart for you. But it's also not just about you. It's about reaching out and touching someone else's life on behalf of Jesus because we're called to be his hands and feet. We're called to be his mouthpiece. And every single one of you has that opportunity. So could today be the day where in faith you say, God, I give myself to you again. I want to be whole. And my motivation is that I want to have a better life, but I also want to be equipped to help someone else have a better life. It's the day, the day you look at your situation differently. And have a new expectation in faith that Jesus is going to show up and I'm going to have a story of his goodness. You know, don't you, that the word testimony just means do it again. We should have testimony every week in a church. Because you're basically saying, this happened, God showed up, and there was a different outcome. God, will you do it again? That's what testimony means. 
And I'm going to believe with you that Faith Church will have testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of Jesus showing up, not just being present. Could we believe with Pastor Kobe and his church that they'll have testimony after testimony after testimony of Jesus not just being present in their meetings, but showing up? Can you see the difference? What could this region look like when churches genuinely begin to experience week in, week out, Jesus actually showing up and lives being changed in an instant. Is there some faith in the house? Would you stand? I'd love to pray with you.